0: let's get real everybody this is taylor and you're listening to the elephant in the room hey hi hello how the heck is everybody doing i am having a very mediocre tim hortons coffee Because I like to, you know, practice um, mediocrity in the beginning of my day. I think it really sets me up for, uh, it can't go anywhere but up from here, you know? It tastes burnt. That's the best way to describe it. It tastes burnt. But I keep coming back. And I want that studied. Is it because I'm a creature of habit, perhaps? I genuinely don't really like it. But I'm like, gotta spend my money on a Tim Hortons. It's somebody do a study and then loop, loop me in, loop back, swing, circle back. That's where we got there. I hope everybody's having a great day while they're listening to this. Is anybody else watching Love is Blind? That's my first question. Who's watching season six of Love is Blind? All of the episodes are out so far except for the episode we're all waiting for, which is, you know, the weddings. If you haven't watched Love is Blind, let me eloquently try to explain this chaos-filled reality television show to you. First of all, it's hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. Nick Lachey from, what was his little group that he was in? The little, the little band of boys. The little 98 Degrees, 99 Degrees? 98 degrees. I th- I'm i gonna go with 98 degrees, I think that's what it was. Anyways, he hosts this show on love because who else but Nick Lachey from 112 degrees and the concept of the show is love is blind. Is love truly blind? That's what they say at the beginning of every season. They've proved in the past that love can can be blind they get all of these these girls and all of these guys, and it is, just, it is strictly straight relationships. We are working with straight relationships only. I think this show could be massively improved upon if we involved the queer community. The chaos would be, imagine the people in the pods were going on dates with men and women, people of all kinds. Right now, we're only dealing with straight drama, which is just so limiting, I think, but anyways... There's a bunch of guys, there's a bunch of girls. They go into these things called the pods. There's a wall in between. You cannot see anybody. You're just sitting in this very, like, aesthetically furnished room with a couch and lots of blankets and these fucking wine glasses that are gold and you can't see through them. And I don't know why we can't look at the liquid they're drinking, but it's like a very strict rule about this show. And they're in these pods and they talk and they go on dates with all the different people. And then they write down their favorites and they slowly narrow down who their connections are with just based on talking to them. They don't know what race they are. They don't know what they look like. They don't know their financial position or their social standing or any of those things. They're just chatting through a wall. And then the guy proposes. He picks a girl. He proposes to her. Oftentimes there are love triangles, um, which are great to watch. And then they like meet up, they see each other for the first time, they run towards each other. Oftentimes they look like they're really disappointed with what the other person looks like. And then they go on a vacation, obviously, to some tropical place. All the couples go. And then they all like meet up together. And then they see the people that they were talking to but never got to see what they looked like. Then they move home. They introduce that person to their parents, their family, their friends. They're trying to see, you know, is this voice, is this personality I fell in love with behind a wall? Does it still hold up in regular life and, like, now that I've seen them? Like, does attraction, physical attraction matter as much as the emotional connection? Do you need both? Will one overpower the other? This is the premise of the show. And then the very last episode, there are the weddings. And they're full-blown weddings, everybody. Like, full-blown. Like, mom and dad show up. They have bridesmaids. They have a wedding dress that they go shopping for during the show. It's like, it's a big to-do. Money is definitely spent. They walk up to the altar. They say their vows. The minister or priest or random person who got ordained on One Minute minister.com says, I don't know, is love blind or something? And then people will flat out at the altar say no. They'll be like, love is not blind, and I do not want to be with you, Joseph. Like, the drama is so palpable and so real, and I am just such a little hoe bag for reality television. I, I love it. All of this to say, guys, I am waiting. Everybody on this show is stunning, and everybody on every reality TV show is always, like, you're when I say stunning, I mean like your stereotypical stunning. Like your run of the mill, everybody is probably gonna find you attractive uh, with air quotes. This show specifically, I'm like, I just feel like there's so much room here to just like have all different types of people because that's the purpose of the show. It's supposed to be about being more than what you look like on the outside or whatever. I can't help but be like, where are the fats? where are the fats bring in the fats send in the clowns um it's my musical theater background coming in that wasn't even the right key where are the fats and then part of me is like maybe the fats don't want to be on this show like I probably wouldn't what if somebody falls in love with you all to see you and be like oh you're not you don't look like you've been on a season of love island like you know If you guys don't watch reality television and you're listening to this, you're probably like, what the fuck is she talking about? But this is just a great, you know, long story short segue into the theme for today's episode, if you will, which is representation. Largely focusing on the film and TV world because that is the industry that I am in. But I'm also in the service industry, There are many different worlds where representation is important. I'm obviously going to touch on the ones that I'm exposed to the most because that's what I know. But when it comes to television, I find representation so interesting and how it's developed over time. And there are some shows or movies that I feel like have done a really good job with it. There's some where I feel like they haven't. And this is just my opinion. You know, like if you listen to this and you have a differing opinion or you can think of something that I didn't say, like please reach out and chat. I always love when people message me about things that I talked about in the episode. And like I'm happy to have that dialogue and that conversation because that's partly why I'm doing this. I don't, I know how I feel and I talk a lot to myself and the people in my life. And so I would love to hear what you think too. But to start that off, reality shows there is such a lack of other types of people. It is very much like a one-note, like this is what we're selling and we're not selling anything else. A lot of reality television shows, as toxic as they are, the, the point is like to find love or to find a connection or a relationship or whatever, and when those shows never put on anybody who is fat or bigger, I feel like we're perpetuating that idea that those people can't find love or shouldn't find love. Part of part of what I feel like the lack of representation in the film and TV specifically, because film and TV reaches so many people. Film and TV leaves so many impressions on people and that content that we're intaking like formulates the way that we see the world and the way that stories are told to us and like shapes how we think and feel even if we don't really notice it. It's like when you're on social media like and you know you've been doom scrolling for two hours and you're like why do I feel like shit? It's because the stuff that you're intaking matters. It it affects you on a conscious level and a subconscious level and so you know, when, when we're taking film and television and we never see ourselves reflected in it or, or the only time we do see ourselves, it's negative or it's not the types of stories that are being told for everybody else. It can be really harmful and impactful in a negative way. So on reality shows, when they aren't putting, you know, bigger-bodied people into these scenarios we're perpetuating this idea that those people can't find love or or sh- or you know shouldn't be loved or this isn't the type of love story we want to tell which is just very one-noted and i'm like i i have no problem with love island continuously staying to be tiny you know, conventionally attractive model-type looking people if that's what they want to do. It's the fact that, like, no reality shows are branching out on this. We've just, we've been there and we've done it. We've seen conventionally hot people fall in love on reality television shows forever. So, like, let's try something else? I don't know. I think my biggest issue with representation as a bigger body and as somebody who wants to work in film and television, is often the way that love stories or sex or relationships are told for fat people. Because there is this certain level of dehumanization that happens with fat bodies in the world in general. And when you aren't telling like real, raw, successful Thriving, not thriving, love stories of fat people, you're leaving out a whole section of people who already feel like they're living in a world where it can be hard to love themselves and hard to find love, whether that's their own barriers or barriers that have been created. And I think that that's true for anybody. I'm speaking from a fat body. And there are so many, you know, the film and TV industry has changed a lot, okay? It's not what it used to be, per se. But one of my favorite examples is Fat Amy and Pitch Perfect. I feel like when Pitch Perfect came out, they were like, we're going to call out the elephant in the room. She even says it. She's like, I call myself fat, Fat Amy, so skinny bitches like you don't do it behind my back, I think is the quote she says. And I really believe in holding two truths at one time. I think that's going to come up a lot in this episode. I think that that's just like part of being a human and like seeing multiple perspectives is trying to hold two truths at once. So I might contradict myself a lot, but that's because I have conflicting opinions and I'm going to try and work some of them out in this. But You know there is part of me that's like yeah fucking call it out like I mean I have a podcast called the elephant in the room like yeah I'm I've talked about it before like saying it before you can say it about me that like self-protection aspect and I do resonate with that but the other part of me is like could we not have just put Rebel Wilson in pitch perfect and never talked about her body at all like wild concept right? Like we just put her in, she sings, she tells the story like everybody else and her size doesn't have to be something that we poke fun at at all or mention at all, you know? I don't know what we gained by mentioning it other than like self-deprecation and I would love to know like how Rebel Wilson felt about that at the time and feels about it looking back now. Because I think for so long, fat people have been the butt of the joke. It's an easy, low-hanging fruit, lazy type of comedy. And one of the biggest things is like when we finally do put a fat body on screen, it's like all of the justification that then comes with that. Like, well, okay, if we're going to have a fat body on screen, we better call it out so that everybody knows. Like, we know she's fat and she's on screen. It's like, you, you don't do that with, smaller bodies. You don't feel the need to justify their existence on screen. I was filmed a TV show. And I can't remember if I mentioned this already. But I filmed a TV show. And in the original script, um, I was acu- my character was accused of uh, stealing a bunch of money. And there was a scene where I had a locker and the detective comes to my locker with me and when I'm hiding stuff in my locker and he asks me to open my locker and when I open my locker a bunch of food I had stolen falls out onto the floor and when they were looking for this role they asked for a plus-size person like in the breakdown when they were looking for the character they wanted it to be a plus-size person the only thing and I don't know if they just were like we want more plus-size bodies on screen and if that's the case then great But I remember reading it and being like, ah, here's the justification. If I'm going to be on screen, then a bunch of chicken and hamburgers must fall out of my locker to make everybody comfortable with, oh, okay, well, there, she's, like, I was just, like, shit in my head, I wanted to, like, go up to the director and be like, should I just be gnawing on a piece of chicken in the corner like a rabid dog? Like, it just was so crazy to me, and it really didn't sit well with me. I was like, I feel like a bunch of food falling out of my locker and you asking for a plus-size person. It wasn't some like big drama where we were telling a story about like, I don't know, overeating or like binge eating. I, there was no other context where we spoke about that. And I was like, this is perpetuating a narrative that if a fat body is going to be on screen, like, they're, they must be having a ton of food around them or, you know, like I, I really didn't love it. And I remember I said something at my wardrobe fitting and I don't know if the wardrobe said something to the writers or if the writers just kind of came to it on their own, but they ended up changing it. They ended up having um, merchandise fall out of my locker that I had stole. And I was like, yeah, like we're telling the exact same story. Like, there, there was nothing, there was no further weight, pun intended, behind the food falling out of my locker other than like that's the first thing that came to people's minds because we, when we think fat, we think food. And I'm like, this is so lazy, like get more creative than this. But it's that justification piece that really fucking bothers me because that isn't happening for smaller bodies A prime example of why representation is so important in general is the girl who played the Little Mermaid recently, the black woman. And like, of course, people got outraged about that because people love to get their fucking knickers in a knot. But like all of the videos of those young black girls seeing a Disney princess that looked like them. Like this is such a big conversation, the Barbie movie. Like black girls finally getting to see like a black Barbie. Or there's a girl with Down syndrome who sees a Down syndrome Barbie. Like being able to see yourself positively reflected in society, in the culture and media and entertainment and all of that stuff that you take in. When you limit that, the the, the group that is already feeling so isolated feels even more isolated. There haven't been very many times I have watched a movie or a tv show where a fat person has fallen in love and I've really respected and resonated and appreciated the story that was being told and it's 2024 and that's like and I will say I've never watched shrill if anybody has watched shrill slide into my dms because I have heard a lot of really good things about shrill it's with ad bryant it's a tv show you know like Amy Schumer came out in Trainwreck and I Feel Pretty and I think if I can remember correctly in Trainwreck she doesn't really talk about her body at all. I Maybe I meant I Feel Pretty. Again, that movie has a lot of largely good messages, you know? Like is Amy Schumer the typical Hollywood body type? No, she's not. She's most certainly not a fat body either. And the movie is funny and I like comedy and I like self-deprecating comedy and I like comedy that pushes boundaries but the two truths at once part of me is like we did so much calling out the elephant in the room and that and I do think some of that was needed and the moral of the story being you know she was pretty all along but that's the story we told like Trainwreck is really great in the sense that she's just like an average sized human being hooking up with people all the time and telling the story that smaller bodied people have been telling on screen forever that are hilarious, great, relatable stories. But finally, somebody with Amy Schumer's body type got to see themselves in that and got to see people love the movie and then therefore feel like they were included in the story. I hope some of this is making sense. This is such a This is a topic that I'm very passionate about and has a lot of nuance to it and I'm sure I'll not get all my points across or I'll forget to say certain things and I'm very I'm somebody who jumps around from thought to thought but which is probably just what human beings do when they speak um but yeah I just feel like I Kat's character in Euphoria I do really like what they did with that. Like, largely, I do like that story that was told. But we did spend a lot... I just rewatched it recently. We did spend a lot of time in the first three episodes talking about the fact that she was the fat girl. And, like, yes, she overcame that and, like, became this, like, sexy dominatrix, like, confident girl. And I'm, like, I love that storyline. And I think that storyline is relatable. I think that storyline, you know is going to connect with women who live in bigger bodies and have had to overcome insecurities and maybe now are in a confident place or aren't in a confident place yet, but see Kat thriving and feel inspired to do the same. But I'm also like, could she have been confident from the beginning? And could her conflict have been something else? Why does her conflict have to be about her being fat? Because she's fat, you know? Sydney Sweeney's conflict isn't the fact that she has a perfect, in quotations, body. I mean, they do touch on the fact that, you know, her growing up with her sister and stuff, how she always has been, like, beautiful and how there's more to her than being beautiful. And so I guess, in a way that is like part of her conflict. And I don't wanna discount the struggles that other body types have. My point is, why did we ever have to talk about the fact that Kat was the biggest of her friend group? I just think if we're a little more creative and we stop relying on the crutch of like using the fact that somebody's fat as a part of the story, it would be nice. I, I, I think that we should also tell stories that include talking about people being fat. I would just love to see a couple stories where we don't talk about it at all. Where all of their conflict is just human conflict and we never have to address the elephant in the room, if you will. And I have a really hard time and I think that I have really high expectations. And I have very clear ideas of the stories that I want to tell as an actor And then, you know, when I read a script and I get really excited, it's motivating. And I think now is the best time it's ever been for that. So I'm very grateful that I'm in the industry now than, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I just feel like we have so far to go with that. And like, I remember being a kid and a Tide commercial coming out with two men, like doing laundry together at home and like being like touchy feely and like, you know, it, it was a commercial about two gay men doing laundry at home. But it was the first time really that I had seen a commercial about gay men doing laundry. Gay men are doing laundry, you know? Gay men are washing... Hold on to your bootstraps because I'm here to tell you, gay men are also washing their clothes, okay? I know, jaws are dropping. Of course gay men are washing their clothes. Have you ever... Have you ever smelled a gay man who doesn't smell like fresh laundry? Like they're they're the the cleanest most lovely smelling group out there. But it was this huge thing because that wasn't being shown on television all the time. If if we grew up in a world where every commercial or you know, not every commercial, but 60% of commercials were gay people doing their laundry instead of, you know, straight couples doing their laundry. Would we all grow up thinking the way we do, and I don't mean me or maybe you, but the way, like would homophobia be as prevalent if it was just ingrained in the stuff we intake from the time we were born? If black women were Fucking Disney princesses. If fat women were Disney like if we grew up in a world where we were just taking all types of people and putting them all over the place, and that was the stuff we were always intaking, would there be so much self hate and prejudice? And I feel like right now I need to be like standing on a podium. I feel like I'm like preaching. But I, I think that's the whole point of representation is that if we can get a good enough handle on it and we can cover as many bases as we possibly can then I truly do maybe very naively, I don't know, think that like it could really help us tackle larger issues because exposure to things is huge. And that's why I always say with like social media, you choose what you expose yourself to. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how, you know, things can be so negative in the world and like how we really can tell that a lot of people are feeling the weight of the world or like the weight of you know seasonal depression even and social media is can be really dark and you know lots of news and lots of heavy things and it's like the world is shitty (laughs) and life is going to be shitty and shitty things are going to happen that you can't control and you can't avoid and you just have to deal with because that's part of the joys of being a human being but Social media is something like we really can control what we intake, whether that's like curating your feed to be something that you feel better reflects your life and your likes and your dislikes and whatever. Or whether that means like you're just not on it a ton anymore or you choose your moments to go on it. Like when you feel like you're in a good headspace, you'll engage. When you feel like you're not, you won't. But it is one of the only things we can control and I do think it has like a greater impact on our mental health and the way that we see the world. Would there be as much fat phobia in the world if there were fat people thriving and being successful and falling in love and telling stories and making us laugh and being complex on screen all the time? I don't think it's going to solve the problem entirely but I think if we'd all grown up seeing more of that that it would help for sure. I think art and entertainment have so much more of an impact than we're even aware and like also shout out to like uh, Melissa McCarthy and Gilmore Girls is a perfect example of just like she's just she's just a woman who loves to cook and she falls in love, and she has a best friend, and she lives in a small town, and we never once talk about her body. Is she the biggest person on the show? One of them, yeah. We also never talk about Miss Patty's body. Like, those are just real, honest women living lives and telling stories, and we don't have to point out that they're not the same size as everybody else. And it's so refreshing. And that is a perfect example of the kinds of... I just feel like there needs to be more of that. Melissa McCarthy's character as Suki in Gilmore Girls. Her conflict is not her body, you know? And in my dream world, if I ever get any sort of notoriety as an actor, I would love to sit down with her and ask her so many questions. She also has a fashion line. She wears, like, all her own stuff on the red carpet. I just would love to pick somebody's brain who's been in the spotlight in a bigger body and has told stories in a bigger body and just see what that was like for them over the years because I only know, you know, from watching and from trying to do that now. But I really look up to women like her just for the kinds of careers that they've had and the kinds of kind of careers she's had and the stories she's got to tell and I would just love to know what that journey was like for her. You know, and I talk a lot about like being in the service industry and how I feel like representation in the service industry is also not like an accurate representation of life. Like when you walk around in Union Station, there are all types of races and bodies and there's queer people and straight people and like just human beings. And I personally, like, yes, if you go out in the village, are a lot of your servers going to be gay? Probably, or like queer of some sort? Yes. But if you're just going to a random restaurant in Toronto, I find a lot of the time it's the same type of looking person. And there's nothing wrong with the way that person looks. But it's just like, I can remember going to restaurants and wanting to be a server and being like, well, I probably can't because nobody looks like me. And why is that? Is that because somebody like me can't physically do the job? Is that because nobody wants to hire somebody who looks like me? Is that because we feel this need to perpetuate some weird fantasy for whoever's sitting at a table that I'm like in a porn and I'm like a porn star server being like, oh, you're beverage. Like, no, I'm doing my job. I do the job. I can physically do the job. Why don't I see more servers who are fat I think it's because it's an industry that wants to cater to men and their fantasies of here's a hot woman bringing me whatever I want. Again, every time I say hot, there are huge air quotes because hot is so subjective. You know, there's conventionally attractive, sure, but I think some of the hottest people are probably not considered conventionally attractive. Everybody finds different things attractive and that to me, if as the service industry, if your whole point is that we want, for whatever reason, we want the people who are coming in to eat dinner to find the people bringing them their food attractive, which is such a fucking weird concept to me, if that is the case, why wouldn't you want a charcuterie board of every type of human being? Nobody is sitting down at a charcuterie board being like, grapes, only grapes today. Only that one cracker. Like, no, everybody wants a little bit of everything. Why wouldn't you want that reflected? Why wouldn't you want somebody serving somebody who might look like the other people at the table and could relate to them? Like, even from a business standpoint, like, if that's, if that is the, the thing, then why aren't we doing that? And then the whole other side of it of, like, who fucking cares what your server looks like, and if you're if you if you care, what your server looks like, kick rocks with open-toed shoes because that's weird. I'm here to tell you that that's really weird, and I fully stand by that, and I don't care how um, definite my stance is on that. Um, kick rocks with open-toed shoes. Um, callback to Love Is Blind. Uh, spoiler, I guess for the episode eleven, but I've always heard the saying kick rocks, which I love. But kick rocks with open-toed shoes is chef's kiss. I'm going to be using that many times. Um, and especially for people who care what their servers look like. And I think I've said this in an episode before, you know. All of the... And sometimes I feel like people think I'm being dramatic when I talk about, like, feeling isolated working somewhere where a lot of people don't look like me. And, like, does it really matter, you know? Like, I, sometimes I feel that era or energy of like, is this really that big of a deal? And I think it's really easy to think that when everybody looks like you, like when you're in a place of like privilege, kind of when you're in the majority of people. Yeah, of course, you're going to wonder why nobody because you don't because you don't feel that way. So like, it's not something that you're exposing yourself to. But when you are the only person, yeah, it is fucking isolating. It does fucking suck. It doesn't feel great. It feels like an uphill battle and I don't like walking uphill ever. And so if me working at the place that I work, for example, makes one fat girl sitting in that restaurant feel like, oh my God, like I could work here. Like I I see a bit of myself in a place where I normally wouldn't, that is a win for me. Like that makes me feel full because I probably take on too much of the fight sometimes because I just, I'm not afraid to want to change things and and to make people feel uncomfortable and to challenge the way that people think and feel about fat phobia in general. And I just There are people who won't have those conversations, and there are people who aren't at a place where they want, where they're ready to make people feel uncomfortable. And I am. So I'm going to do it. And I'm gonna stand here proudly and firmly and continue to fucking do it. Because very rarely in life do we find something that like with our toes and our fingers and our whole fucking being, do we feel like this is something I stand behind, I believe in, I feel confident in, I am proud of, and I feel that way about this. So much so that I created a podcast. And so I will shout it from every rooftop. I will keep having these conversations. If it means one person shifts a perspective or one person feels seen, to me, it feels worth it. I could have used this 10 years ago. So I'm gonna do that now. I think that's a great time to wrap up today's episode. I don't even know if I said half the things that I wanted to say or if any of this made sense. If you're somebody who's listening to this and you've listened to every episode since episode one, you're a rock star. And you should slide into my DMs and say kick rocks. If you've if you've if you're listening to this episode and you've listened to every single episode, I want you to DM me Kick Rocks so that I know that you're a true fan and I can send you the emoji that I think best encapsulates you. That's the exchange we're going to have. I just thought about this. If you've listened to every episode, DM me Kick Rocks. And to thank you, I will send you an emoji that I feel best encapsulates you as a human being. If I don't know you that well, I'm going to just try and creep your Instagram profile and go from there love is blind style you know thanks for listening everybody if you have something you feel passionate about i encourage you to get out on that rooftop yell to the people make people feel uncomfortable have challenging conversations if we're gonna have to live through fucking 10 more shitty ass wintry februaries 10 many more than 10 then we might as well find something that we love, grab onto it with both hands. Mine are my love handles. And tell everybody to kick rocks with open-toed shoes. Goodbye.